Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When a former prom queen disappears into darkness... Somebody really hurt my little sister. Shockwaves are felt across the deepest Florida swamps. They start locking doors, they start closing windows. I stood on the side of the road and cried. Was she stalked by an old flame? Stop! What? I said stop! Or did she make a deadly wrong turn? Go away! Where if we had known who, I think Redneck Justice would have prevailed. At the heart of Florida's nature coast, Crystal River isn't your ordinary small town. Every winter, this middle-class community becomes a tourist hotspot when manatees take over the surrounding warm waters of Kings Bay. Manatees flock to uh, springs because the spring water is is the same constant temperature year-round. Just north of this self-proclaimed home of the manatee lies the controversial and foreboding Cross Florida Barge Canal. The idea of it was was to create this shipping channel um, across the central part of Florida. Midway through the project, the federal government realized what an environmental disaster that was to do that and they stopped it. The canal stretches all the way to the Gulf of Mexico, where gators and snakes are the least of your worries. That's considered murky water, so even sharks can come up that far. It had that swampy feeling. Protected by a forest of towering oaks, it's a sanctuary for endangered wildlife. But for humans, this is no refuge. It's Friday afternoon, May 23rd, 1986, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. 21-year-old Angie Crowley is getting ready for a Memorial Day weekend getaway to visit her best friend, Dawn Selders, in Yankeetown. Hey, Dawn, it's Angie. Hey, Angie. How are you? Just get off work? Yeah, I'm going to finish packing and then head out. I can't wait to see you and your family. Uh, me too. Are you sure you're driving in tonight? Yes, I'm sure. I don't want to waste all day on the road driving tomorrow, but it shouldn't be too late. Probably like midnight or so. Sounds good. Call me when you're getting close. Drive safe. I will. 
Like Dawn, Angie moved to Florida from Illinois after college and now lives about five hours away from her friend. It's quite a trick, so Angie tries to convince her roommate, Susan Oliver, to join her for the late night road trip. I wish you could be my sidekick. I wish no one's gonna let me off work. It seems that Angie will have to make the journey on her own. Given this was before cell phones or GPS, she'll have to rely on a good old-fashioned road map and written directions. So like always, she turns to her older brother, Chris, in Illinois for help. Hello. Hey, Chris. How you doing, Ace? Good. I'm going to see Dawn this weekend, and I was wondering if you could help me with some directions. Sure. She could go off back and out of the driveway. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She was not good with directions. So what we did was, you know, it was, it was all old school. You're going to take uh, the turnpike to 75? And then 75 north? My biggest concern was potential of making a wrong turn. Now, are you sure you're going to be okay driving that far? You're not going to get tired? No. Between all the music and the caffeine, I'll be good. Okay. Well, call me when you get to Dawn's, no matter how late. The youngest of seven, Angie has a special bond with her big brother, Chris. Our parents divorced when I was 15 and she was seven. Um, at that point, I took on somewhat of a parental role. You know, father-daughter dances, uh, helped teaching her to drive. Oh, well, tell him I said hi and have a safe trip, okay? Okay, I'll call you, I promise. Angie comes from the small town of Oregon, Illinois. In December of 1985, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed beauty stunned her family when she decided to leave college a year early to take a job down south as a travel agent. She wanted to, to do something a little more exciting. She had traveled some with my mother and uh, with her own friends, and I guess you could say she got that bug. A former high school cheerleader and honor student, she played flute in the band, worked for the yearbook, and above everything else, loved to shop. Okay, you ready? Coming up. What do you think? That is adorable. She was a fashionista. She always wanted to look immaculate. And it didn't matter if she was getting dressed for work or if she was just going to go outside and hang out with the friends. She was going to look good doing it. And Angie's good looks never went unnoticed. She had a lot of, a lot of guys ask her out. You like it? <laughs> I love it, really. A lover of water sports like boating and water skiing, the former prom queen was drawn to Florida. On December 28, 1985, she moved to Fort Lauderdale with a couple of friends. Oh, slow down, Ace. You're gonna hurt somebody. I'm just so excited. I know, but we're gonna miss you at home. Oh, bro, I'm gonna miss you too. You better come home as often as you can. I will, I promise. The day we had left, the temperature had been close to 20 below. And so to be on a beach two days later was quite exciting. Angie's been living in the beach town about five months now. And this is her first chance to get away since the big move. She had worked that day, Friday. She got off around 6 p.m. And she set out on her way to Yankeetown, probably 7 or 7.30 in the evening. Even though Angie had written down detailed directions, about three hours into the trip, she makes a wrong turn. After driving another hour out of the way, she winds up in Winter Garden a small town just west of Orlando, around midnight. 
It's a long drive, and when you get off the freeway, it can be confusing as to which way to go. Disoriented, Angie pulls into a dimly lit parking lot and uses a payphone. Hello. Don. It's Angie. Where are you? Well, I made a wrong turn. I think I'm in Wildwood. Okay. Um, you need to head north towards State Road 44. And then go west. That'll take you straight through Crystal River. When you get there, give me a call, and I'll come meet you so you can follow me the rest of the way. Are you okay to drive? I'll be fine. Yeah. Thanks. But it's getting pretty late, and Angie drifts off to sleep while waiting by the phone. It isn't until the next morning that she realizes Angie never made it. And so she called the sheriff's office, and she started calling around uh, to, have you seen Angie? Do you know where Angie is? Officer Granger. Hi, I'm looking for my friend Angie Crowley. She was driving up from Fort Lauderdale last night. She should have gotten here hours ago. Have there been any reports of accidents or breakdowns on 44? Let me check the incident log. No, I don't see anything. Well, then I want to report her missing. Dawn calls Angie's mom, Julianne, in Illinois to give her the disturbing news. Angie is missing. Yeah, she was supposed to... My mother just collapsed. I mean, she was devastated. She goes, I just know something happened. I know it. You know, and, and I couldn't really uh, calm her down. She handled it very, very hard. Angie was her baby. It turns out a mother's intuition is always right. Around 6.30 p.m. that night, not even 24 hours since Angie left Fort Lauderdale, a local fisherman is walking along the muddy banks of the Cross Florida Barge Canal, about five miles north of Crystal River. It was just a scary place to, to be, and uh, you're, you're underneath a bridge. And so it's, it wasn't a place where, where, where most people want to go. While looking for a good spot to drop his line, the fisherman spots something in the murky reeds. No, 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 no. It seems the mysterious clump is actually the half-naked body of a young woman laying face down in the rocks on the water's edge. Within an hour, Detective Jerry Thompson arrives on the scene. When I first saw the victim lying there in the barge canal, it reminded me of a very good friend of mine, so it, it touched heart with me. And... And I just vowed at that time that I would find the individual that did this to her. Looks like somebody beat on this poor girl pretty bad. I think this crime affected the investigators as much as it did some of us. I know the brutality of it was such that for some of them, this was the worst they'd ever seen. And they took it very personally. The swampy terrain makes the scene even worse. You had water on one side of the victim and you had rocks so that you had to maneuver around to get even down to her. Water can really cause havoc on a body because it'll, it'll shrink up and shrivel up, so it, it could be nasty. No underwear, T-shirt is torn, most likely sexually assaulted. What was that wrapped around her neck? It's obvious the killer used her own pants to strangle her. <sighs> this crime was definitely personal. Most likely our victim knew the killer. 
Detectives comb the undergrowth and recover underwear and shoes scattered yards away from the body. Angie's car is nowhere to be found. It was obvious that the crime had happened there. Any idea who this girl is? Levi County says they got a call about a missing girl from Fort Lauderdale. You think this could be her? I checked it out. She matches the description. I believe it's Angie Crowley. Angie Crowley. They know they're up against a homicide, so investigators send for an autopsy report. Who could have slaughtered this innocent beauty? A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. It's a hot and sticky Saturday night on Memorial Day weekend in 1986. Detectives are scouring the swampy shores of the Cross Florida Barge Canal, hoping to unearth more evidence in the now-confirmed murder of 21-year-old Angie Crowley, a beautiful, well-liked travel agent. To find out that she'd been sexually assaulted, uh, that she'd been tortured, beaten, it was almost too much to bear. Jerry, found some glass. Could be from a car window. It could be from our killer's car. Let's get it back to the lab. Angie was on her way to meet her best friend when she disappeared the night before. 
What happened? Is she okay? So Dawn Selders gets a late night visit from Detective Thompson. We believe we found Angie's body. No. Please, no. The whole episode, even thinking that it would be Angie, was hard on Dawn. When was the last time you talked to Angie, Dawn? Last night, around 12.30. I can't believe it. Are you sure it's her? We're pretty sure, but we're gonna need you to identify the body down at the medical examiner's office. Do you think you can do that? She was very upset and was even more upset after she identified Angie. Detective Thompson then makes the dreaded call to Angie's family back in Illinois. Hello? Hello, can I speak to Chris Crowley, please? This is he. Yeah, this is Detective Jerry Thompson in Citrus County, Florida. Um, sorry to have to tell you this, Chris, but um, we found your sister Angie's body. I was furious. What had she done to generate such anger in a person I'm gonna kill to do him. those things? You know, that was not her. She's not the person okay. that would create that kind of rage in somebody. It's one of those things where if we had known who, I think Redneck Justice would have prevailed. Thank you for taking the time to answer these questions. The next day, Detective Thompson pays another visit to Dawn Selders to learn more about Angie. Why was Angie coming up to visit you? We were just going to hang out and catch up. Were you planning on going out partying or meeting up with any guys or anything while she was here? Angie liked to play it by ear, you know? Dawn had told Angie to ring her back when she reached the small town of Crystal River. But that second call never came. What did you do when she didn't call back and then she never showed up? When I woke up, I was shocked she wasn't there. I didn't really know what to do. Did Angie have a boyfriend or was she planning on seeing anyone while she was here? She had talked about some new guy, but the only people she knew in town were me, my parents, and my brother Stephen. He and Angie were really close. How old is your brother? He's 18, but he's out of town. Okay, we'll want to talk to him. Word of the violent homicide spreads like a wildfire. And without any leads on the killer, residents of the Gulf Coast town become uneasy. It was a very brutal crime. It shakes a community like Crystal River. That's the kind of thing that, that stays with people. They start locking doors, they start closing windows, that kind of thing. The people there were absolutely outraged that somebody would do that in their town. And they didn't know, is this going to happen again? Is my daughter safe? Is my wife safe? Investigators are determined to put the town at ease. They retrace Angie's steps, starting back in Wildwood at the same time of day and location where Angie called Dawn for directions. They follow the route Dawn gave Angie through Crystal River towards the Barge Canal, where Angie's body was found. Maybe she pulled off somewhere along here and got some coffee, went to the restroom. Do you think someone could have followed her the whole way? It's possible. We need to track down anyone who knew that she was taking this trip. I think we should talk to Dawn's brother. At that time of night, we found nothing open. And as we get in the Crystal River, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. We see the newspaper carriers preparing their papers for their route. Excuse me. Uh, yes? 
Were you here Friday night about this same time? Yeah, we unload papers here every day. And did you see or hear anything suspicious? Actually, I thought I heard a woman screaming across the street over by that payphone. Um, but I really didn't see much. They see a male subject get in the vehicle and head north on 19, which would have been in the direction of the Birch Canal. Did you get a good look at the guy? It was real dark, and he was across the streets. No. Can you tell me about how tall he was, how much he weighed? He was at least six feet tall, about 200 pounds. Thanks. Could this have been Angie's killer? Was she attacked right here in the heart of town? Right across the street was the police station. If somebody would have been looking out the front door of the police station, you couldn't help but see it. No one at the police station reports hearing any screams that night. Detectives canvass the area surrounding the payphone. Jerry, take a look. Got something. All this glass. Something definitely happened here. Looks just like what we found at the canal. Maybe Angie was attacked her. Maybe she didn't make it to Crystal River after all. No, but she never did make that final call to Dawn. I'm wondering if she even got out of her car. Well, let's get some of this glass in the lab for a comparison. Okay, let's see if anybody saw anything. And let's keep searching the area. Odds are her car isn't too far from here. Police alert the media of their search for Angie's vehicle. And the next day, they get a hit. A waitress tells officers the car is parked behind Jones's restaurant within miles of the phone booth where the witnesses heard a woman scream and the barge canal. It was abandoned and I responded immediately. And of course, when we discovered the car, we find out that the driver's window is busted out. Jerry, here it is. Same glass we found at the payphone and the canal. So it looks like the killer forced his way in through this window. They dusted that car for fingerprints and came up with some readable prints. They also found a shoe print next to the car. What the investigators had was they, they had the body of a deceased young woman, they had a, the car that was found in the parking lot, they had broken glass, and, uh, and you know, you now nah, what? Tips continue to pour in while detectives interview Angie's known associates in the area, but they can't reach Dawn Selder's 18-year-old brother, Stephen. Stephen Selders was a young man in his teens. Angie was 21, a beautiful girl. We look at those as far as him maybe having a crush on her at some point. I had never met Stephen. Um, I only knew that Dawn had a brother that had a crush on her. It just so happens that Stephen had asked Angie to his prom a year ago, and she said yes. But she'd had a change of heart at the last minute. I'm sorry, Stephen. I just can't. What do you mean? You promised. I know. It's just, I'm going off to college next year. You're only a sophomore. Please, don't do this to me. It was a devastating blow for Stephen. The two remained friends, but their relationship was never the same. Of course, when you're looking for a suspect in a case, you're looking at everyone that might know her or be involved in it. Turns out when police do a little more digging, they discover Angie and Steven were actually in contact just days before her deadly trip. I uh, heard you were coming to visit this weekend. Yeah, I can't wait to see you guys. 
yeah, uh, when are you coming up? Stephen certainly knew the route Angie would take, and her solo road trip would be the perfect opportunity to get rid of the young woman who'd broken his heart. 275 to 44? Right. Right. Okay, I guess I'll see you later. We're just gonna hang Police out speak to Dawn and the rest of Stephen's family and friends, but they provide conflicting accounts of his whereabouts that Memorial Day weekend. Okay, we'll want to talk to him. He's up north at his girlfriend's house, near where we used to live. When did he leave to go up there? Monday or Tuesday, I think. You think? Well, I'm not sure. Those were his plans, at least. Was he just going up there for the Memorial Day weekend? No, he was going to his girlfriend's and moving her down to Tampa. What's his girlfriend's name? Karen. What car is he driving? My dad's white service van. A lot of people lie for their relatives. I mean, he'd call and find out where he works and get time cards. Uh, how far this crush went. Stephen seemed like somebody who cared a lot for Angie. I don't think right away the detectives really had a clue really how this all had come about. But when detectives check phone records and talk to witnesses in Illinois, they confirm Stephen's alibi. He was in fact out of state helping his girlfriend move. Nowhere near the swampy banks of West Florida when Angie went missing. It was very difficult for him. I know Stephen had a lot of feelings for, for my sister. And I think he took it probably as hard as anybody, if not more. Later that day, investigators received the autopsy report, and it confirms their suspicions. Angie had been beaten, she had been raped, she had been sodomized, and she was strangled by the stretch pants she was wearing. It's a very brutal crime, very brutal crime. The lab is unable to match fingerprints lifted from Angie's abandoned vehicle to anyone in the criminal database. And even though semen was collected from Angie's body, in 1986, such evidence could not yet help identify a killer. There has to be something we're missing. She was a beautiful girl. I'm sure she left a trail of heartbroken men. Heartbroken enough to rape and strangle her? Does seem personal, though. She was a very outgoing person. On the same token, she was cautious. From her friend's description of her, she would have been seeking out a place to stop that she felt safe in. So who was lurking in the dark shadows near that payphone in the center of town? Uh-huh. In addition to speaking with Angie's family, Thank Detective you. Thompson questions Dawn again, hoping she can provide more information. Are you sure that Angie didn't mention anything about seeing anyone down in Fort Lauderdale? She had casually mentioned some guy she was seeing named Butch, but that was just like last week. Mm -hmm. Do you know if they work together? Do you know Butch's last name or anything? No, she hadn't said much. The details are murky, and investigators know they need more information about the nature of Angie and Butch's relationship. Anybody that would have been associated with Angie is a potential suspect, and her boyfriend would have been a good suspect. But before detectives can track down Butch's identity and whereabouts a few hours away in Fort Lauderdale, mm. there's another major Thank break in the case. Jerry. What's up? Crime lab just called. Really? 
They found a hair embedded on Andrew Corelli's stretch pants. They're saying it belongs to a black male. Well, I guess... We didn't know the significance of the hair. It could have been put there by the perpetrator, or it could have been washed in there from the tidal waves at the Marsh Canal. Whether or not it's a critical lead, the investigation turns down a completely different path. This new information seems to line up with a recent tip from a truck driver named John Balkin. How can I help you, sir? I think I saw something I might need to report. Might help you find out who killed that young girl down at the Barge Canal. And what'd you see? Well, I was driving westbound on State Road 44. I'm near the Wildwood truck stop. The Wildwood truck stop is where investigators believe Angie made her final call to dawn just after midnight. I saw this young blonde girl in the back seat of a small brown car. Driver was black. I remember thinking how strange it was she wasn't sitting in the front seat with him. Can you tell me anything else about the man or the vehicle? I couldn't see much, but I know they headed north on Highway 19. You're taught in investigations that never concentrate on one person because you get that tunnel vision they call. No, that'll bite you. You got you to look at everybody. Jerry, did you see this report from uh, the truck driver? Yeah, I saw it. So he said that he saw the blonde woman right after dinner, around 6.30 p.m., which would mean it would have still been light out. And Angie didn't even leave Fort Lauderdale until after 6.30. You're right. There's no way it could have been her. It's another dead end, and police can't help but think that maybe they've been chasing their tails on this elusive case. After following uh, several of these leads, the trail just pretty much, I, I hate to say it, kind of grew cold. You go through peaks on cases. When you're really starting off, you're busting it, going really fast, and then it sort of levels off. You don't get anywhere. To be quite honest, we had no idea if they were still looking. Investigators are getting nowhere in Crystal River. They head down to Fort Lauderdale to question Angie's roommates, co-workers, and neighbors about her latest flame, Butch. We interviewed a lot of people that would have had contact with Angie prior to her leaving. And I spoke with Susan Oliver, who was her roommate. Did Angie ever mention any guys? Anybody named Butch? Oh yeah, Angie mentioned Butch a couple of times. What did she say about him? Not much, he really liked her. No, Angie had to turn him down more than once. Turn him down? Hey. Hey, Butch. You look good. Thanks. You almost ready? Hey, stop. What? Seriously, stop. Come on. Butch! Stop! What? I said stop. That's enough. You're such a tease. Just forget it. Did Angie ever say anything about Butch being short-tempered or violent? No, nothing like that. I just know that she didn't want to have sex. Do you have a number for Butch? No, I don't even know his last name. Is it possible Butch followed Angie all the way to Crystal River and then attacked her when she was most vulnerable? Detectives put on a full court press to find Butch. Thank you for your I was calling to inquire if there was anyone at that residence that goes by the name of Butch. Mm-hmm, bye-bye. Another bad number. After weeks of trying to track down Angie's boyfriend, investigators hit a wall. 
after so long, you know, one case sort of takes the back burner to another one. That was one thing we really worried about. In August, two and a half months into the investigation, the case gets a surprising shakeup. Hey guys. Hi. I'm FBI agent O'Gannon. Hi, Jerry Thompson. How you doing? Jump level. Good, good. Uh, I'm actually looking for a guy who may have came through your, your area, a William Happ. Um, he's actually wanted on federal warrants for kidnapping and robbery. I can remember that day like it was yesterday. Jerry made this statement to me. I'm just waiting on that one big break. And it was like, it happened. As we show him in here about three, four months ago, he's about a 24-year-old guy. Actually, he has warrants out for his arrest for both kidnapping and robbery. Wait, 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 wait. Did you say three or four months ago? About three or four months ago, we think he was actually hiding out here, actually trying to escape an issue he had out in California. William Happ kidnapped his manager uh, by gunpoint and fled. This wasn't William's first brush with the law. He had been arrested some 30 times before he was 18 years old in California. William has an aunt whose last known address is Crystal River. Her name is Edna Peckham. Can you help me track her down for questioning? Sure, whatever you need. Detective Thompson visits William's last known address, just four miles from the Barge Canal, and speaks with William's great aunt. When was the last time you saw or heard from William? Oh. Why do you ask? A couple of months ago, he was living with me for a while. It was so nice having him here. In the spring of 1986, Edna says William came to Crystal River to get his act together. He took a job as a house painter and never caused any trouble. He was very well behaved. He used to go to church with me every Sunday. Apparently, William left Crystal River at the end of May because he was in love with a woman he'd met in Pennsylvania named Jean. He used to write her love letters every day. He planned to marry her and bring her back to Florida. Do you happen to remember where he was Memorial Day weekend before he left town? <laughs> oh my, putting an old lady on the spot. Well, give me a second to think. Take your time. Oh yes, I remember. He was home that night with me because I wouldn't let him use my truck that weekend. It might be a dead end, but then it was quite a coincidence that the known criminal had come and gone right about the time of Angie Crowley's violent murder. An outsider that's wanted for something big that is uh, violent, you get a gut feeling and maybe we got our guy, but that's not good enough. A week later, the FBI tracks down and arrests William in Pennsylvania on the kidnapping and robbery of his manager and extradites him back to California. William Happ, you're under arrest for kidnapping and robbery. You have the right to remain silent. William pleads guilty to the charges and begins serving a 10-year sentence in Santa Clara County Jail in San Jose. His fingerprints are sent back to the Citrus County Sheriff's Office in Florida, and the results are shocking. Jerry. Lab ran those prints from Hap, and I hate to tell you this, but they don't match the ones we got from Angie's car. What? Are you sure? Have them run it again. It has to be a match. Uh, okay, but they said two technicians already confirmed. Not a match. There's not much we can do with this guy. According to the evidence, it appears that William Hap is not their guy. 
It's a big letdown for the investigators and Angie's family. My sister was kidnapped and murdered. I mean, out of the blue, taken. It had a very traumatic effect on everybody. Determined to find her killer, Detective Thompson is finally able to locate Angie's so-called boyfriend, Butch, in Pennsylvania. Look good. Thanks. How close were you with Angie? Lived in the same apartment complex. I saw her every once in a while. I asked her out a couple times, but she never wanted to get serious or anything like that. Well, what do you consider serious? I mean, we fooled around, but we never had sex. Did you ever argue about that? Get into any fights? No. Like I said, we only went out a couple of times. Where were you that Friday night before Memorial Day? Went to Texas with some friends. About what time was that? Flight left about six o'clock. Why? We checked him out thoroughly and eliminated him. With Butch officially cleared, Detective Thompson can't shake the feeling that drifter William Happ was somehow involved in Angie Crowley's murder. I do more checking on him, and then I go to our sheriff, and I said, I really need to go to California, and I need to interview this guy to eliminate him. In October 1986, more than four months after Angie's murder, Detective Thompson travels across the country to question William Happ at the Santa Clara County Jail. I'd like to ask you a few questions about your time living in Crystal River. Okay. So what were you doing there all that time? I lived with my aunt, and I got a job painting houses. Shortly into the interview, Detective Thompson decides to employ an old strategy to gauge his perp's reaction. You ever seen this car? Nope. Don't look familiar to me. All right. Maybe this will jog your memory. You ever seen this girl before? Go ahead, pick it up. Have a good look. She was beaten. She was raped. You could tell that he had seen her before just by his body language. His carotid artery started pumping real fast. Anything? Just something's upsetting him, and a good chance it's he's reliving what he did. Even though Hap's reaction shows signs of deception, investigators still need forensic proof to tie him to the crime scene. And what they find next is stunning. We then do a search warrant for his personal property in the jail. We look at the shoes, and yes, the, the sole pattern is identical to what we found outside the car. He's still in his possession the same shoe that he was wearing in Crystal River that they got the shoe print from to match him with, with the crime. They roll William's fingerprints again to compare it to the ones pulled from Angie's car. We've got every ridge detail that he has on his hand. I had never seen a set of prints rolled like that. Within days, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement sends the results. The new analysis reveals the fingerprints on Angie Crowley's car are in fact William Happs. 
I immediately get on the radio to the sheriff, tells him that I have to meet him because I wanted to do it face to face. So we meet and I tell him that the prints were him and he and I stood on the side of the road and cried. Hap is charged with first degree murder, kidnapping and sexual battery. William adamantly denies the allegations, but the prosecution has more than enough evidence to piece together what went down that fateful night. Hap was walking north on 19 to the Great Aunt's house. Angie pulls into the Cumberland Farm store to use the payphone, and he accosts her there. Let me in! No! What do you want? Let me in! Go away! Stop! Let me in! I know she fought back. It's not in her nature to go. I mean, she knew you fight, and the evidence showed that she put up a good fight. He took her up to the barge canal, found a place that was off in the woods. He beats her, he sexually assaults her, and then he murders her. And throws the body in the canal and attempts for it. I believe my theory is for it to wash out into the Gulf. If my sister had been 30 seconds late, that wouldn't have happened. He would have been by, she would have pulled in. It wouldn't have even crossed paths. I've learned that those what is, they can drag you down pretty quick. Turns out investigators believe there was a motive behind Hap's sick brutality. His girlfriend, Jean, had just ended their relationship. She was with about the same age as Angie, maybe the same looks as Angie. He's got that rage building up inside of him. He could be a little hyped up on something else too. What, what, what causes anybody walking down the road to see a woman in a car and, and, and do that? Let me in. No! On July 28th, 1989, William Frederick Happ is found guilty of all charges. Three days later, he is sentenced to death by lethal injection. The crime he committed was a, a heinous, cruel crime. He knew if he committed that crime, he would face the death penalty, and he chose to do so. He chose his own sentence. For more than 20 years, William sits on death row proclaiming his innocence and filing appeals. That's when you really find out how the criminal justice system can be manipulated, and it can take decades, and it did take decades. Finally, on October 15th, 2013, 27 years after he beat, raped, and strangled Angie Crowley with her own pants, 51-year-old William Happ is brought to the death chamber. Before this execution is carried out, do you have anything you wish to say? Yes. For 27 years, the murder of Angela Crowley has been clouded. It is with my everlasting shame that I confess that I murdered her. I had waited 27 years to hear him say that. I felt very good that he finally confessed. And then he asked God to, um, to bless those who had to do what they were gonna do. And then we watched him die. Um, I'll never forget that. He apologized to the family uh, for committing the murder and asked for forgiveness. I can't accept the apology. And for his forgiveness, you know, he's gonna ask to have somebody a lot higher up than me for forgiveness. 
Though Angie's mother passed away five years before the execution, it was something Chris promised his mother he would fight for before she died. She goes, no matter what happens, when this is done, or when I'm gone, you make sure you stay on top of these people and you let them know that we're still here. Don't you let them forget Angie, forget who we are. And that's, that's what I did. I miss the telephone calls. I really miss those. She was there a few times when I needed somebody, but I really miss talking to her. She was, she was special, very special. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.